Good morning, church. My name's Mike Ladenberger, and uh, many of you know me, but if you don't, let me introduce myself. I am not a pastor here at Midland Free, uh, but like most of you, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I have been for over 45 years of my life. Uh, my wife Nancy and I have been members of this church for the last 30 years, and I recently came off the elder board after serving my term there. And this is actually not my first time up front uh, preaching. A little over a year ago, I stood here, and right here, and I preached to an audience of one. Kai Dodge stood down there with a camera and filmed me. And if you followed us through the early days of COVID, you probably remember back when we were actually filming the sermons and the music and putting them up online for you to watch. So it's great to be here in person and to speak to all of your smiling faces. And to those of you that are still joining us online, uh, welcome you also. Uh, Pastor Jeremy asked if I would fill in for him today, and I'm happy to do so. He's recovering from a, a minor surgical procedure. We want to keep him in our prayers as he continues to recover, and we look forward to him being back up here next week, uh, leading us uh, through God's word. So my prayer uh, preparing for this and today is that if you take anything away from my words today, it will be only those words that clearly project the truth of God's holy word. And with that, I'd like to open us in prayer. So if you would please join me in going before the Lord. Father God, we do praise you, Lord, for who you are. Mighty, sovereign, powerful, holy, good, loving, and kind, our Father in heaven. We thank you for your provision and for another day and for this chance to gather together uh, to seek truth through your holy word as we draw closer together, as we draw closer to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will move among us and that your truth will take hold and change us from the inside out, that we might be used for you, by you, for you, and your great purposes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, at Midland Free, we're all about the person of Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to start and end today with Jesus. My theme actually is all in with Jesus. And you might be scratching your head if you read the scripture, wondering how I came up with that. But hopefully by the time we finish together, our time together, it will be clear to you. So there's a question, though, that I want us to struggle with or wrestle with as we look at today's scripture. And that question is, where is my devotion? Where is your devotion? In other words, where is my love, my loyalty, and my enthusiasm? And we're going to look at both the widow in today's passage as well as Jesus as we work to answer that question. Our passage today is from Mark 12, verses 41 through 44. And if you have your Bibles, or if you have an e-device and you want to open it up uh, and follow along, uh, the words should show up on the screen behind me. And if they don't, you can just listen. It's very short. And uh, we'll dig into that and see what God has to teach us through this lesson today. Starting in verse 41, Mark chapter 12. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, 
Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, a little background on this passage. Jesus lived in a time when the world was an honor-shame culture. Now, in an honor-shame worldview, um, a person seeks to gain honor. So you might ask yourself questions like this. If I do X, how will people look at me? Or if I do Y, will I look, will I be ashamed if I do that? Or will I be honored by doing that? Honor-shame cultures are typically based on the concepts of pride and honor. And consequently, appearances are what truly count. Now, Jesus, as you well know, is very willing to be countercultural. And his teaching often turns the world's priorities and practices upside down. And that's true in in this particular passage, too. If if we go back just a little bit, if you still have your Bibles open, if you go back to Mark 12, starting in verse 38, this is what precedes today's passage. Again, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour the widows' houses And for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So Jesus is saying basically that the scribes who are seeking honor and praise and probably getting it from many people because of the worldview at that time, they're not deserving because they're worried about the outward appearance rather than the condition of their heart. He tells us that they take from widows and they pretend to pray, and yet they take the seats of honor. And we move right from that to today's scripture where we see a poor widow who would be considered shamed in her culture because of her life situation. This poor widow is lifted up by Jesus as an honorable example to his disciples. And we'll take a deeper look in just a little bit why Jesus holds her up as a role model. But first, let's take a look at Jesus in this passage. What does Jesus do? And I I picked out three things that I see Jesus doing. First, he comes and he sits down and he watches or he observes. Verse 41 says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Second, he calls his disciples over. Verse 43, And he called his disciples to him. Then starting in the middle of 43 and going through 44, Jesus speaking, teaching his disciples. This is the third thing he does. He teaches. He says, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So he observed, he called, and he taught I would suggest to you that Jesus is still doing those things today. First, he's still observing. Jesus is God. He not only knows what we're doing, he not only sees us, he not only hears our words, but he knows our future. He knows when we'll breathe our last breath. He knows our thoughts, our emotions, and our desires. 
There's nothing we can hide from him. Jesus is still observing, but he knows all about us. Secondly, he's still calling. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you're just feeling this kind of tug that I want to learn more about this person of Jesus that that this church keeps talking about. Or maybe you felt like you want to dig into God's holy word and see what you can learn by reading it yourself. I would suggest to you that if you're feeling those subtle tugs, that that might be God's Holy Spirit calling to you to seek Christ and enter into God's kingdom. Now, for those of us that are already followers of Jesus Christ, we're being called also. We're being called by Jesus to join him in his work of bringing others closer to him and the kingdom of God. And thirdly, Jesus is still teaching today. How does he do that? He does it through scripture, and he does it through the working of the Holy Spirit. God has revealed his truth through his holy word, the Bible. And the gospels, the four gospels, record the life of Jesus Christ. So we hear his words that he spoke while he was on earth, earth, and we see how he lived his life as our rabbi, teacher, and role model. Jesus is teaching us through his Holy Spirit, the spirit which leads us, guides us, convicts us, and brings us to wisdom. So as we spend time with God in scripture, meditation, and prayer, Jesus will be teaching us. So Jesus is observing, he's calling, and he's teaching. So in this passage we read today, he's teaching to his disciples But since Mark wrote these words down for us, Jesus is teaching us also. So what lessons can we learn from this poor widow? I'm going to suggest three attributes that the widow exhibits. And the first attribute is love. So what does it mean to love something? It probably means that we want it, we value it, and we draw pleasure from it. It makes us happy or it brings us joy. Now, I brought some props today to help me with my sermon. And so this is my first prop. If there was a spiritual gift of hobbies, I I think I probably have it. But I've been told that there is not a spiritual gift of hobbies. But but one of the things that I truly love to do is fish. And specifically, I love to fly fish. So this is a fly fishing rod. Um, And actually, more specifically than that, I love to put on waders and go into a river and spend two to four hours by myself wading downstream, just enjoying the beauty and quiet of nature, spending time with God as I pursue that elusive smallmouth bass. So when I go fishing, I do get a lot of joy out of it. I I really am happy when I'm doing it. But let's contrast this kind of love with the love of the widow. The widow probably didn't have many things. Uh, In my research for this sermon, I learned that the the two coins that she had, the the scripture says they're worth about a penny, and a penny was about one sixty-fourth of a day's earning. So the love of the widow in our passage today is not directed at a thing, but instead is directed at God. She values and most likely draws her joy from God. And as a result of this love, she gives everything she has financially at the temple. Now, because of the small amount, it probably goes into what they would call the free will offering. 
which is directed at either the building and repair of the temple or to pay for burnt offerings. Whatever the case, she's giving her financial all to the temple, which in her world is giving to God. Now, like me, you might like things or activities or something that you just really enjoy doing, and I'm not trying to make any of us feel guilty here. But I am trying to help us think. You know, I do not believe that it's necessarily bad to love and enjoy things and activities, being God gave us the ability to enjoy them, to make them, and to draw pleasure from them. But I also believe this can be a really good litmus test to see if our priorities are where we want them to be. Do I think about this thing or activity more than I think about God? Do I spend more time doing this than I do spend time reading God's word and and just meditating over his word? Do I value this more than I value God? Do I draw more joy from this than I draw from God? Well, if that's the case, then I think I have to do some self-examination because that's not where I want to be. So I'll just put this one down. And we'll move on to the second attribute, which is trust. Now, I believe the widow gives to God because she loves him, but also because she trusts him to provide for her needs. Let's talk about trust a little bit. So my second prop is this pocket watch. And if you don't know what a pocket watch is, it's, it's a thing that tells time. Um, and you have to wind it every day. And it has a bunch of springs and, and gears in it. And my wife gave me this actual pocket watch just about 2,286 weeks ago. And this watch tells time. And if you asked me if I trusted this watch to tell me the right time, I would tell you, yes, I do. You know, it will get me to dinner on time. It will get me to church on time. But if I keep winding it every day for a week... It will get a little fast, and I'll have to reset it. So I know that it's not quite as accurate as this watch, which is a solar watch and has a battery in it and keeps very good time. And I know that this watch is not as accurate as this for telling time because I believe this the time on my iPhone is like as accurate as a GPS satellite time. But they all tell time. But our trust is not just based on our past experiences, but it's also based on the capabilities of what we're trusting, right? Let me give you another example. When my daughters were young, I used to love to take them to the park. And back in those days, which you can guess is a long time ago, uh, they had these metal contraptions that were very dangerous that you could climb on. And my girls loved to climb on those things, but sometimes they'd get up at the top and they'd kind of freeze in fear. They didn't know how to get back down. And I would hold up my hands to them and I'd say, jump, dad will catch you. And they they would leap into the air because they knew I would catch them. They trusted me completely. But as they grew older, they became aware of my imperfections. And they knew that their dad was not perfect was not all-powerful. And that's true. But we have a God who is perfect and all-powerful.
God is deserving of our trust. And the widow's action is a great example of trusting completely a God who is deserving. Psalm 21, 20, verse 7, says it this way. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Or if I'm allowed to paraphrase it into more modern terms, some trust in technology and some trust in political parties, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So love and trust. And what about my third attribute of the widow? The third attribute of the widow I'm going to suggest is devotion. And my last prop is right here. This is my one bobblehead. And this, this, is, my, this is my hero, Steve Iserman. And when I moved to Michigan in the late 70s, I became a Red Wings fan. I never really watched hockey up till then. But Steve Iserman became captain of the Red Wings in 1986, and he fulfilled that role for 20 years. And during that time, I'd say one of the glory periods of the Red Wings, they had a lot of success. And I was totally devoted to the Red Wings. I loved them, and I watched every game that I could. And I saw a lot of, of happy times and a lot of wins. But I also had a lot of disappointment. As good as they were, they weren't invincible. And sometimes they let me down. Put Steve right there. The widow gave her devotion to God. She was all in. I would suggest that she was sold out to God. And by sold out, I'm using the Urban Dictionary definition. That is, to be willing to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything. Jesus tells his disciples that she gave everything financially. In fact, according to the words that we read today, this is what Jesus actually said. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So again, I say she was all in, sold out, totally devoted to God. Now, I don't think Jesus is teaching in this particular lesson about money per se. I think he's teaching about devotion. So for us today, where do we put our time, our talents, and our treasures to use? What are we all in with? And who or what are we fully devoted to? God alone is deserving of our devotion. He is our creator. He loves us. He is good. He is all-powerful. And he is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Indeed, God is deserving of our love, trust, and devotion. Now, our vision statement at Midland Free, which you've been seeing over these past several months, is that we aspire to be a gospel-centered family where everyone we encounter moves closer to Jesus every day. So why closer to Jesus? First of all, we really desire that those who are not yet followers of Christ that they would come to a personal relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And secondly, for those of us that are already followers of Jesus Christ, we desire to be more like him. Again, he's our Lord and Savior. He's our teacher and rabbi. He's the example of how to live a life that is pleasing to God. 
Now, one of the things of many things that I love about Jesus is that he taught not only with his words, but also with his life, the way that he lived. So I want to look at these three attributes that I shared with you that I think the widow had and see, did Jesus live out those attributes? The attributes, again, are love, trust, and devotion. First, does Jesus love God the Father? In John 14, verses 30 to 31, we read, and again, this is Jesus speaking, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. This is right before he goes to his death. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. So, His followers should have known that he loved the Father, right? I mean, all of his life, he was obedient to God, and he was seeking to give God all the glory. He was always pointing to God the Father. But he wanted to make sure they knew. So some of the last words that he said to them was that he is going to do what he's going to do because he wants the world to know that he loves the Father. Now, the next two attributes... Trust and devotion, does Jesus trust the Father and is he devoted to the Father? I'm going to use one passage of scripture to answer both questions. And it's not because I can't find lots of scripture to support this, but when I came across this particular passage, I thought it was so powerful that I thought it stood on its own. So I'm going to turn to Matthew 26, and I'm going to start in verse 36 and read through verse 46. So this is Jesus praying again right before he goes to the cross. Then Jesus went to them to a place called Gethsemane where he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I while I go over there and pray." And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. The hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let us go. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Three times he asked the Father in different ways if the cup can pass him by. But three times he tells the Father that if that's not the case, that he's willing to do the Father's will that that's more important than seeking his own will. Let's talk about trust first. Jesus had told not only his followers, but also the Pharisees that he would rise from the dead. So he trusted 
trusted God the Father that when he died, that God the Father would bring him back to life. As far as devotion goes, Jesus was willing to be falsely accused, unjustly tried and convicted, mocked, beaten, spit upon, stripped naked, and hung on a cross to die a gruesome death. And he was willing to take on all the sins of the world. And at that time, most scholars believe that he was separated from the Father, who he had been through with through all of eternity. After all he did, he was willing to do this to do the Father's will. He lived a perfect life in love and obedience to God. Jesus, the one and only man who lived a perfect life, endured great suffering because he was all in, he was sold out, he was totally devoted to the Father. I want to give you some things to think about on how we can apply these teaching to our daily lives, loving God, trusting God, and being devoted to God. And when I present these to you, I'm, I'm not trying to be dogmatic, saying you have to do this. These are just ideas to get you thinking. So let's start with how we can show love to God. I mean, one obvious one is we can spend time with him, time in, in the Holy Word and time in prayer. Another way, as Jeremy shared with us two weeks ago, is that we can love other people. Jesus tells us in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. We're supposed to love others as Christ loved us. Let's go a level deeper. How can we love like that? Well, let's go back to what Jesus told his followers. In Mark 8, 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So he's not talking just to his disciples here. He's calling the crowd over. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Wow, that's, that's tough. That's a tough one for me, denying self, serving others putting others first. But this is what Jesus did. And this is what Jesus tells the crowd they have to do if they want to be his followers. So that's how we can show love like Christ showed love, is by putting others first and denying self. How about growing in trust for God? Again, I would suggest that we start out by spending time with him, and not just in prayer and in his holy word, but Invite God to come along with you wherever you're going, whether you're going fly fishing, hiking, biking, shopping, when you go to the lake, when you go to your job, when you go to school, wherever you go, whatever you do, invite God along and talk about him. Do you talk about God over the dinner table? Do you talk about God with your friends, with your neighbors, with your work associates? Let God permeate not just your words, but your mind and all that you do. Secondly, we can just ask God to help us grow in our trust and faith. He knows that we're weak. He knows that the flesh is weak. He'd be happy to answer that prayer. We can also take steps of faith. When we feel called by the Holy Spirit, when we feel that subtle tug, not just think about it, but actually step out and do something, respond with action. And finally, look for opportunities to practice acts of generosity with our time, talents, and treasure. 
I think as we continue to take steps of faith and step out and do things, we will continue to see God at work and our trust in him will grow. Finally, how can we grow in our devotion to God? As we grow in our love and trust of God, as we grow to be more like Jesus, I believe that our devotion will also grow. So let's step out in faith to follow Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. I want to be very clear that I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I mess up all the time. So I don't claim to have it all figured out. I know what I should do, but I don't always do it. But I don't let it get me down for too long. Because again, God knows all about me. There's no surprises. So when I mess up, I have to work myself up to ask forgiveness, knowing that he's forgiven me, and knowing that I'll try to do better the next time. And also taking great courage and strength in the fact that I know the Holy Spirit is slowly changing me from the inside out. Now, I want to leave you today with what I hope is a thought-provoking observation. Jesus, when he was teaching, could have always pointed to himself. Because, as I said, as we know, he lived a perfect life, and he was the only one who did. But in his teaching, he often points to others. In today's teaching, he holds up this poor widow as a role model, as an example. That's the way he works. And this is a good lesson to us. That God can use us as godly, as examples of godly behavior also. So back to my theme for today. Jesus was all in, and I want to be like Jesus. So I'm all in with Jesus. As we grow in our love of God, and our trust in God, and our devotion to God, God can, and I believe will, Use us to draw others closer to Christ. To God be all glory, honor, and praise. Let's pray. Holy Father, we do praise you, Lord, for you are deserving of our trust, of our love, of our devotion. And we fall short so many times, but you never give up on us. And your Holy Spirit lives within us. Jesus has died for us. Help us to live lives that are pleasing to you and used by you for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mike.